Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got a 10-game slate on a Wednesday night here in the NBA. Plenty to choose from. Uh, Not loving all of these matchups, but we do have a couple game videos up for you and our player props video as we're bringing you each and every weekday. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Also head to thelines.com. That's where we have our great written content up for you guys all season long and our odds finder tool that you can use to make sure you're getting the best juice back across those U.S. sportsbooks as you make those NBA bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into this big slate tonight and then talk Mavs and Cavs. Yeah, a couple leans for us, but we didn't uh, really have the uh, strength to uh, pull the trigger on them. But Pistons are plus three at the Hornets. The Warriors on their back to back now in a pick em at Indiana. Uh, total of 238 there. The Hawks are minus two and a half at Orlando. Kind of like the Magic there. The Kings are plus five at the Raptors. Kind of like the Raptors, but OG Ananobi's going to be out. Knicks plus four at Bulls. Jalen Brunson might not play for the first time this year. Blazers are minus seven and a half at the Spurs, who are suddenly trying again. The Heat without Jimmy Butler, minus three at the Thunder. Wizards plus 10 at Nuggets seems kind of high, but they've lost seven straight. And the other game... We are breaking down. The Wolves are plus six at the Clippers. Get to that one in a minute. Right now, we're talking Cavs plus two at the Mavericks. Total of 215 and a half. And the total is where I go here. Um, I mean, both of these teams have a deserved reputation for playing excellent defense. And last year, I believe they were the two most consistent teams going under in the entire NBA. So that's why you get the total of 215. But now Donovan Mitchell is on the Cavs, and he is a one-man offense. Um, And they have several creators besides him. Interesting in their last game, I mean, obviously they have the horrible home road splits, and they came out flat once again against the Spurs. But then, you know, decided to go a little bit more offensive-minded, playing Karis LeVert more. He had 23 in 29 minutes. Lamar Stevens, zero points in 25 minutes. Uh, I don't know if they continue that way because you do need – kind of that defensive stopper to try and slow down Luka Doncic. But I think either way, Donovan Mitchell is going to start cooking at some point. Uh, And that, you know, even though he has kind of bad numbers against Dallas, his last eight, including six in the playoffs, only a 103 offensive rating, getting about 23 points per game. Um, Just Dorian Finney-Smith and and Reggie Bullock have not been the same kind of wing defenders that we saw uh, last year. I mean, they have a buddy, both are around a 115 defensive rating. Dallas in their last nine has a uh, 119 defensive rating. They've gone over in seven of their last nine. You'd say, oh, well, some of those are on the road. I mean, yeah, five of them were on the road, four at home, in which they allowed at least 111 points per game. So still up there. And they're scoring 118 regardless of where they are. Um, they spread people out. They hit threes. So the fact that Cleveland has elite rim protection isn't the biggest deal. I mean, even – you, you can't really guard the rim from Luca with all the bags, uh, tricks in his bag. And I, I look at the first, the, the only two meetings between these teams last year. And the first one was a grinded out defensive win for the Cavs because Kristaps Porzingis was still the co-star. The Mavs had not established their pace and space offense. Uh, they, they, you know, they had Moses Brown starting alongside KP to try to match size with the Cavs. And we've seen the playbook from Jason Kidd all the way through the playoffs last year is like, okay, actually we're going to downsize. We're going to play Maxi Kleba, who's questionable tonight, but should be good. 
we're going to downsize and we're going to try to spread you out and, and three's worth more than two. So see if you can keep pace with us. And with that approach, they then beat the Cavs in Cleveland, 120 to 112. I mean, those are the home road splits in their favor. But I I just look at what the Mavs were able to do, hit 16 threes, 28 assists, only 11 turnovers. Um, I think they'll be able to do their part to score. And the Cavs are going to have some positive regression here. I mean, they were five for 27 from three against the Spurs. The Spurs are an awful defense. So lots of open shots there. And I mean, yeah, they're they're so bad on the road right now. Lost four in a row with just a putrid offensive rating that, I mean, there has to be a concerted effort to try to get on track one way or the other. I expect Mitchell to lead that charge and I expect them to at least score 108 or higher. And then, you know, we get to that, that 215 total pretty easily. Yeah, the, the the total I feel a little bit better about, but to be honest, like I also just kind of like the Mavs. I mean, the 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 two point spread is pretty negligible to to get you to a place to just kind of go. All right, well, the Mavs don't cover anywhere this season. By the way, pretty much the worst cover percentage uh, of any team in all of their games overall. Um, but they their their spreads at home are monstrous because last dating back to last season, um, you know they're basically at like a top three, top four team in terms of defending home court advantage. If you if you which it's, it seems to be a lot more this year uh, than in the past. Like there actually is a home court advantage this season as opposed to when we were coming back from uh, COVID and people probably still weren't in the stands, etc. Um, but regardless, the the home court advantage that the Mavs have doesn't translate to covering. It just translates to winning. Right? Um, they're eleven and four this season at home um, versus five and nine on the road. In, in, in they're not covering. <laughs> like I said, they're four nine and two against the spread at home, despite being eleven and four uh, overall, because those spreads are just really high. So I, I don't need to worry about all that stuff. They're winning by an average of seven points per game at home right now, uh, regardless of favorite or not. So you know, I, I just them being at minus two right now is good enough for me to feel good about them handling things. Their defense, while it hasn't been as good you you kind of pointed out smaller sample size maybe the last like three or four games their 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 defense has been a little bit worse at home than it has earlier in the season but earlier in the season all the way up to now i mean 45 percent opponent field goal percentage at home uh that's good for top five in the nba you know everywhere 33 percent uh from three uh, and 40 as opposed to giving up 51 percent field goal on on the road 41 and a half percent from deep so it's just a pretty, pretty big difference there that's why i don't really trust the Cavs to come along tonight kind of to the point that you're making um you know the, the thing that they have going for them is size, but they're still not really scoring in the paint in a way that you worry about the fact that Dallas can't guard the paint uh, really at all this season. You know, definitely missing uh, some some bigger guys down low, maybe even Chris Stapps, but, um, you know, it, it's not it right now for them with, with JaVale. So it's really a matter of, um, like you said, can they play that pace and space? And that's how I think they, they want to win. That's how, especially against the Cavs team. Um, that is the only team playing at as slow of a pace as them, basically, uh, especially when the Mavs are at home. So they want to go fast. I think they know that the Cavs have that advantage if they slow things down. Luca is going to do Luca. Uh, to your point, I think the pace and space is more a matter of not necessarily like get the ball and go. It's a matter of you know, it, I'm sorry, it is a matter of get the ball and go on makes and misses. Um, but it's not a matter of just pull the first shot. It's a matter of find Luca in transition or Dinwiddie at this point, who's been playing really well in transition as well. Find them in transition, and then all other guys just go to the three point line and spread out. And that's the game. And if they have to run their off their half court offense and that it's fine but it's still pay, it's still space right uh and as much pace as, as luca would like to play with which i think will be ramped up a bit in this one so um you know for for dallas as well in terms of how they're scoring it doesn't really matter because 
Cleveland guards you everywhere, right? So um, it's just a matter of can you guard Luka? And, and the answer is really, really no, because they're not really looking to get, um, you know, too many easy layups outside of Luka getting into the lane and then doing what he does with his, you know, turnarounds and footwork or trying to find somebody who's wide open if the defense comes to him. So their, their way that they score in the paint isn't like to, like to get your, your wing athlete and have him just drive after he gets the ball in the wing and get to the rim. That's not how they're going to even try to do that with Mobley and, and Allen down there. It's really just going to be a matter of Luka doing his thing. I think Luka props are probably good. I think the Dallas um, team prop at 108 and a half, like, like I said, I like them at, at minus two. So I, I do like them to get over that. Uh, and it's just a matter of if Cleveland's going to come along with how awful, like dead last in, in offensive rating over their last four on the road. Yeah, but I mean, that you mentioned Dallas not being able to protect the paint. And I think that that's a big problem in this matchup when you have Mitchell slashing. Uh, Mobley should get more involved off the wing. And Jared Allen actually had a 28 and 14 to help us get to that total the last time they faced up uh, in, in that, that 232 total it hit. Also, the Cavs' awful uh, three point defense lately. I mean, they're seventh worst on the road. And uh, sixth, seventh worst Sorry. in their last three, even giving up 39%. Dallas also struggling to guard the three-point line lately. So I think both teams have some weaknesses they can exploit. At some point, I feel like there has to be a regression to the mean with the Cavs offense. Like you can't just not show up at all on the road just because of the venue. Uh, and I think they started, you know, if you look at momentum, just like how bad they were in the second quarter in particular against the Spurs, like letting that game slip away, but then finishing kind of furiously to only lose by one. That, by the way, was only the second time they went over in their last uh, 13 games. So uh, that is why we're getting such value here. Just trying to, you know, get ahead of it in terms of like, okay, they have too much talent in the backcourt to continue to, to struggle to score like 96 points per game or 96 points per hundred possession on the road. Um, and that the Mavs have just not been the same Mavs of last year where they, they're playing much faster is as in they not the slowest pace in the league in their last nine here. They're at 98, 97 and a half in general, and actually 98 and a half at home, which is a big difference from last year where they dropped like five possessions per game when they were home. Um, mm -hmm. And they're nine and five to the over as home favorites, nine and three on normal rest. So, the Mavs, yeah, certainly. I think you you agree with me that they're going to do their part. They're going to be hitting threes, and so I mean yeah. that does make it sound like you should bet the Mavs if you're like they're going to score. We don't know about the Cavs, uh, so I'm fine with either way. If you want to take Dallas minus two, if you want to take the over, uh, but I think both are good options. Yeah, I mean Dallas playing a little bit worse at D uh, uh, at home on defense than they were previously in the season so like the last four or five games for them and cleveland also that is a, a really big number in terms of their their lack of three-point wing defense over the course of their last four or five on the road um dropping down a lot further than they are overall on the season as they're still top five in terms of allowing three pointers uh and three pointers made so if they're not going to be able to guard that three the same way on the road uh then yeah dallas is, is plenty fine to have have that that momentum to get you know to cover in my opinion but definitely to get their 108 and a half in which case i'm also okay uh if you wanted to take the full total at like 215 or so and a half and get over that it's just too small so and then this game we got wolves minus uh plus six and a half maybe seven if you can get it at the clippers total hovering around 222 it's bet down a little bit uh because the clippers are coming off a defensive masterpiece against the celtics saying held them to 93 points. And I I just want to kind of zig, zig away from that because 
the idea that, oh, man, they're, the Clippers are back. Kawhi and PG both played. They shut down the top offense in the league, um, held them below 100 for the first time all season. They're, therefore, they're just going to continue to play these like low-scoring, dominant games, and, and we, we expect the Clippers cover in and under. I don't think so. I mean, I think one of the one or two of those guys might sit or they might just have their minutes managed a lot because this is the front end of a back to back with Phoenix coming to town tomorrow. Um, and Phoenix, while struggling, is definitely a team that the Clippers would like to stick it to. Everybody would like to stick it to Chris Paul, uh, the most obnoxious player in the NBA. So I, I, I do look at this as sort of a trap game or just something that the Clippers aren't going to take that seriously. And we know they don't take the regular season seriously on a consistent basis. And that's why they're below 500 as home favorites against the spread. Uh, since last year, they actually have a terrible record against the spread with a rest advantage since last year. Um, sort of in this spot, there was a there was a consistent trend where they would um, fail to cover on the front end of a back-to-back and then come back on zero days rest and win all of a sudden. Um, I'm a little hesitant to back the Wolves, of course, especially if D'Angelo Russell isn't able to go. I mean, he hasn't missed a game yet, but he's questionable with knee soreness. The thing is, if he is active, he's been playing really well on offense and been a bit of a turnstile on defense. Um, minus 13 in that second one against Portland. Portland had 133 points, I believe. Dame had 37 with Russell trying to guard him. So you asked me where are the Clippers going to score if Kawhi or PG are limited. Um, you know, anybody can score on, on D'Lo right now, I guess, in, in general. The... Wolves, interestingly, are limiting what you'd think the Clippers would like to do in terms of mid-range. Um, they're sixth in two-point percentage allowed. Uh, they allow the sixth-fewest paint points as well. Um, and they're they're vulnerable in terms of free throws, but Clippers not really getting to the line in general. So I do kind of lean towards the over here again. I, I kind of look at a, a teaser as, as a bit of a safer play here for – to get the Wolves all the way at plus 10 and the total at 218. Um, I mean, this is a Minnesota team that does 10, you know, when it rains, it pours on them. So maybe you don't need that teaser um, because they, they tend to play games that go really high over the total. As, as you look at their four and two record to the over as road dogs this year. And those games have gone over by 13 points per game. Now uh. the Clippers are a, a, a tough defense to beat. Uh, but Anthony Edwards is starting to cook here. Um, he's actually shooting 10 percentage points higher on the road versus at home. He had a huge game combining with D'Lo for 60 points when they beat the Clippers in the play-in last year. Um, and that one still got to 213. Of course, it's a it's a one-and-done atmosphere. And, and um, you know, they're missing Carl Anthony Towns, but he's really sucked. In the against the Clippers, like Ty Lue definitely knows how to play, uh, how to play against him, and he also knows how to exploit what Rudy Gobert does. Not necessarily him, but the fact that he doesn't have good perimeter defenders around him. Ty Lue knows how to execute a scheme to get good shots. So I think I think both offenses will be pretty good here, and I would expect the Clips to uh, lapse a little bit on their defense. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I hate predicting if Kawhi or PG are going to play. And so therefore I hate predicting 
Clippers games, but um, I think there might be a little bit of a momentum in terms of Kawhi playing. Um, PG plays when he can. Kawhi, I have no idea. So um, if Kawhi is playing, I feel a little bit better um, about every like really points. I, I know we talked about you know them obviously Kawhi and PG being the defenders that they are, and we talked about that before they took on Boston. That that's the best team in the NBA suited to guard Boston if anybody's able to do it and they finally kept that team to under 100 points um, if they're playing again you know in, in this one I still like offense I, I don't think that they're going to have the same level of like right like Kawhi and PG aren't going to be like let me go ahead and turn on uh, my defensive motor you know so that I can make sure um, you know that I'm hanging with backup point guards uh, on Minnesota um, you know or, or obviously Ant can do his thing but um, even, even Ant's been somewhat struggling I guess getting a little bit better since cat has been out um and that's where you would look for some points as well obviously uh he's had some struggles the other night uh, as they the, they were just basically struggling against the blazers in those two games in a row that they lost but yeah when they're when they are away dogs right now i think it's pretty interesting that the the total is going over by an average of about 13 points or so even though they've uh they've covered four out of six or they've gone over in four out of six as away dogs this season and like i said that that margin of uh, over the the total there is about 13 a game there's just no no defense for for them um especially on the road as we've been talking about i mean it's been a little bit better as of late uh, the thing that scares me about the over is just the, the change in pace for them um but yeah th th that's not really an issue in terms of the way that they've been scoring on the road they've been getting you know about 115 to 118 or so in their last roughly like six uh road games including obviously some like huge totals against teams like the wizards um th those two blazers games as well so i think you look at the, the the totals that they're that they're getting here in minnesota and obviously most of them are at least least 230 i think the lowest total they've had uh is in the last since like the end of november the last week of november is like 225 so like everything is high for them for a reason and it's just that lack of defense it's been a little bit better but to your point um when you look at the way that Ty Lue has played against the jazz as well if you want to see how he's played uh, you know coached rather um against the jazz and coached against rudy gobert his teams are still scoring a decent amount of points i mean it looks like they're averaging about like 113 114 against a jazz team that was playing a lot better at uh you know defense last year with Rudy and it's not the same even with Rudy this season in terms of the, the way that they're scheming that defense uh in about five or six games ago actually right when Cat went out was when Chris Finch started the head coach started talking about how it was time to stop making it about Rudy Gobert on defense and start having Rudy play um, within the team system more than the team adhere to how Rudy plays um it's worked a little bit if you look at the since Cat has been out um there's still just too many games that they've given up about 125 or more in that time frame as well so I, I think there's plenty of reason with Kawhi and PG playing to, to like the, the the offense a bit more as well. Um, I know we talk about them being good at defense, but like I said, I, I don't think that this is a game that they're bringing it on defense, especially ahead of playing the Suns. You might even see uh, Kawhi or PG not play too much later in the game if they're not too concerned about it, as was the case when they uh, when they lost to Orlando in OT and Kawhi still played 30 minutes out of a possible 45, right? So you're still going to keep guys off the floor like Kawhi and PG when you are trying to face the Suns next game who are ripe for the taking right now after another loss to the Rockets the other night so I think that they've got a pretty big target on their back to your point just as much as the Warriors at least the Warriors have won something with that chip on their shoulder I'm not really sure why the Suns have such a big chip after losing one finals but um, that that's what I would be saying the the clips are geared up for based on how they've played Kawhi this season uh, like I said he came in for that that game against Orlando and, and played a few more minutes than I think they wanted to because I think they would have rather have him there for the heat in that next game they just went to OT played him a two few minutes a, a, a few a, a couple minutes too many um, and I think in this point they're ready to sort of keep them on the bench if they need to uh, and continue to you know 
gear up for that Suns game. Yeah, down the stretch is is where Minnesota's been scoring pretty well too. I mean, when they when they're in the game, they have those guys that can create. And interestingly, they're a little bit more efficient. You know, I mentioned Ant has a better offensive rating. The entire team has a much better offensive rating of 115 on the road this year, which is a big difference from home. Slower pace, but the efficiency has kept them up and 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 hit some of those overs, as you say. And um, I mean, that's key for the Clippers here who are struggling in terms of three point defense last three, you know, despite getting those guys back uh, up to 35% and they're up to third in three, their three point shooting though. So, I mean, I said they, that Minnesota does, doesn't give up uh, what the Clippers like to do. Well, they're suddenly turning into more of a three point shooting team and they're ninth in offensive efficiency, the last three. And that has a lot to do with getting their guys back who may or may not play here, but, Either way, uh, the, the offense is starting to come around a little bit after being dead last in everything. And they're dead last in paint points, but I don't think you're going to be challenging Rudy Gobert in the paint that much. You're going to be moving it around to get the shots you want. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah. I think I feel pretty good about plus 10 with, with the total a little lower. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, a, a little bit of a teaser in this one, just because this total is, it, it seems somewhat uh, properly set, but I, I think, you know, 225, I feel good about. So I like the over anyway. Um, but if you want to get a few more points for Minnesota to be able to cover as well, I understand that. I'm just, I'm scared of this Minnesota team. I don't know what I'm getting. I'm scared of the Clippers not playing anybody and how they're going to do their rotations. Um, but I think two, you know, over 223 is, is, is at least fair. Um, I'm probably going to stay away from trying to guess Minnesota to cover with or without D'Lo in this one. But You're listening to the Lines.com Podcast Network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. So, Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first NBA play-up prop for tonight. Yeah, I mean, they're calling this the dog days of the season already. And so that's why we kind of been leaning on young guys. And Jalen Green came through yesterday in a big way um, with the Rockets continuing their hot streak. I'm going with the young boy, Paolo Bancaro, though, the potential rookie of the year against a Hawks team that really is starting to hate each other uh, and, and just fall apart with chemistry issues all over the place. Um, on the season, they give up the fourth most points and rebounds to power forwards. And John Collins has been out for weeks now. Now DeJounte Murray has been out for the last four. They have a 117 defensive rating. They're allowing 121 a game. Um, and their offense has also struggled. So they're giving up 49 rebounds per game. So the fact that Paolo went for two points and just two rebounds in a blowout loss to Atlanta two weeks ago uh, makes me feel fine 
expecting positive regression on the boards. And 28 and a half points rebounds on FanDuel is the best odds you can get here. You can get safer bets for him to get 21 points or 27 and a half points rebounds. But I think you're fine here in his last four. He's averaging 21 and a half and nine boards shooting on 42% field goal shooting, which I think is also going to go up because what he did in those last four came against maybe the four toughest matchups you can have for a, a lengthy wing, the, the Raptors twice, the Bucks, and the Clippers all at home. Yeah. And he's a young player who, who does, of course, perform better at home and averaging 22.7 points, seven and a half rebounds at home, better numbers. So I, I feel pretty good about him uh, eating here against the Hawks. And I, as I mentioned, magic slight underdogs, think you can sprinkle a little bit on that money line plus 120. Yeah, the reeling Hawks, like you said, and and Paolo, uh, yeah, a guy that I think this is a much, much better matchup than he's been facing, to your point. Um, the the 20, the I'm sorry, the, the rebounds are huge, too, I think, obviously, because the, the Hawks are bottom five team uh, in terms of rebounding as well. So, you know, not not much coming for them there. Uh, the, the rebounding at six and a half for him, I, I think it's fine if you combine it. Um, it's minus 140 on DK for him to get six and a half. I think you definitely want to, you know, if he gets seven, combine that with the, the points and get slightly better odds to the 28 and a half uh, that you were talking about there for sure. So um, I know we're talking about young guys, but I'm going with the a Wiley Vet that we just keep coming back to because I feel like his prop isn't really matching what he does. Boyan Bogdanovich, I got that correctly, uh, the one on the Pistons there. Uh, 19 and a half points over that for him. I'm just taking the points for him. I mean, that's what he's doing. Uh, I think there's been a bit of a chip on his shoulder that that the Pistons were able to get him so easily when I think he he was like, look, there should be contenders that are vying for me. Um, And he's been putting up points in field goal attempts and and the usage because I think he's trying to prove that. Uh, In his last six, 24 points a game, just 20 28 minutes uh, with a 28% usage rate. He was coming back from an injury in there. So, I mean, he, he's only failed to cover uh, the 20 point total here uh, in, a, in two of those games. And that's because he played 22 minutes or less in those games. One of them, he came out after just playing five minutes. So really in the games that he's getting at least 25 minutes, we're talking about 27 and a half points a game um, in, in general. So that's the exact same situation uh, against a Charlotte team that we know is bad on defense continues to be um, last five versus Charlotte for Boyan. Uh, same concept when he plays 30 plus minutes, he's averaging 27 points a game against them. Um, so, you know, it's the same, it's also what we've been talking about all season with him when Cade's not in there, uh, 22 points a game with a 27 and a half percent usage rate. And if he gets that 31 and a half minutes per game that he's been getting, then yeah, I think 20 points is a lock for him uh, as he's just got the ball in his hands so much, putting it up, like I said, 28% of the time when he's on the floor. So um, I, I 20 points against Charlotte, is just too low. They should be closer to 23. Yeah, because it's a tanking matchup, right? So you don't expect the Pistons to necessarily get blown out, get a full slate of run. And I, I like what you're saying. He's trying to prove that he's worth more. He's also trying to play his way off this team because he's been bandied about in trade talks and there are contenders yeah. that could really use him uh, exactly. and, and make, might get make an offer before February. Um, yeah. Follow me if you're bold on this one. Shea Gilgis Alexander under... 39 and a half points, rebounds, assists. Under 29 and a half points is bad odds. So I think you add the peripheral stats, which have just not been there for him in his last uh, four meetings with Miami. He's getting uh, eight combined rebounds and assists. In his last five games overall, he's getting seven and a half rebounds, assists. Obviously, he scores around 31 a game, regardless of the matchup. The Grizz did hold him in check. Miami should be 
able to hold him down a little bit, even though Jimmy Butler's not playing here. Uh, in a career against Miami, he's averaging only 17 points per game uh, in his last four when he was the man. Still 20.3 points per game. And like I said, not a ton of peripherals. And his usage rate and his, his points are down a little bit at home versus an astronomical 34% usage rate on the road. So, I, I mean, it's plus 100 to take the under on the PRA again versus minus 125 for the points. I think you want to combine everything together here. Miami's not a team that gives up a ton of assists or or loses the rebounding battle often. So I think even if he scores over 30, he might not get to that number. Yeah, ballsy. Uh, if there's a three in front of that number for, for SGA, I'm scared of it to go under. Um, but come on, Miami. Like, yeah, this, this is the, an opportunity for, for them for sure. I, I'm scared of them playing just the, the, the sliding that they've been doing. I mean, OKC been looking pretty good uh, in that Dallas game. You know, SGA was was definitely doing his thing, but this is this is a much different matchup for them um, and, and one that I think you could probably find a, a bit of value in the under there. I, I'm definitely adding the rebounds and assists for sure because um, I'm, I'm scared to go under anything like 30 points for, for SGA right now, even though he slowed down a bit for sure. As you mentioned, just that's because he came back down to earth from like 35 a game over uh, like a five game span. But yeah, th- this is is much more down to earth for him and something I think you know Miami's definitely getting better on defense as Bam gets healthier Jimmy gets healthier so um, I'm going to finish things off by throwing Donnie Mitchell out there uh, we talked about that uh, that Cavs and Mavs game having the potential to have a bit more points than people think um, Donnie you know has had some struggles I'll, I'll say too it's 26 and a half points for him on FanDuel minus 106 um, you can get 25 and a half too for like uh, on, on DraftKings just obviously those odds go way down uh, might as well get the extra point in there for Donnie uh, some struggles versus Dallas in over the course of the last two seasons but Dallas has been a better team I think we're starting to see their aging um, around guys like Dorian Finney-Smith Reggie Bullock um, you know look a lot slower on defense and, and not be able to lock in as much as they have been in the past obviously Powell also missing some time this season but hasn't really been getting minutes as he hasn't been a great fit so far uh, with this version of the team so yeah I, I think this is despite Donnie having a, a few struggles when he was on Utah against this team um, this is a different scenario entirely uh, and specifically for how bad Dallas is on defense right now, uh, allowing 117 points in their last 10, about 112 when they're at home, which is where they are tonight. So some more opportunity for him in road games so far with Cleveland, 29 a game for Donnie on 49% from the field, 38% uh, from deep. So really good splits there. And then 92% from the line, always one of the best three point or free throw shooters, 32% usage rate, wherever he plays. Um, so, you know, he's going to be getting the ball and putting it up uh, as he's been doing all season and his last four, uh, he's been, you know, getting back on track after a small little bit of a struggle, a few bad games in a row. But his last four, 32 points per game on a 33.5% usage rate, getting those splits actually up to 52% from the field and 41 from three. So if you get into the line about five and a half, six times as well, I think you like those odds for him. I would also throw out there, Luca. I said to Nate, like, what do you think about a Luca prop? It's like, yeah, whenever you want to take Luca. It's 30 and a half points for him. If he gets 31 tonight, that's uh, minus. That's about even money, minus 105 on DK. I would also consider that. I know Cleveland is Cleveland, um, but in his last uh, like five or last two rather versus Cleveland, uh, he's had 26, 10, and 10, and then like 30, 10, and 9. Uh, so there's still uh, 33, 10, and 9. So there's still opportunity for Luca to get those. If you want to throw the PRA in there as well, it's 46 and a half for him. Like I said, he's gotten that his last two against Cleveland. Gets that pretty much every single night. Uh, so either these two stars going at it tonight in this matchup I think is a, is a pretty good bet yeah I mean maybe you want to take the some of the bonuses available for both guys to get 30 because I I think mm-hmm. I would take 
an alternative over even on Mitchell here, 29, 30 points. I mean, he's just the usage and the, and the points per game lately are so indicative of where the Cavs are at as a team, which is like, okay, we got nothing going. Um, let's, let's give it to this MVP candidate that we brought on board to fix our offense. And Dallas, he knows he struggled against Dallas recently. He knows he can get it going. Um, I, I, I expect him to get right in this matchup and for both stars to be out. Yeah, let's get it, man. We are, we are on track tonight. Feeling good about these. So that is all the time we have for you in this one. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Come back and see us each and every weekday this season. So until we see you next, happy betting. 